We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. back to another episode of Bring the Juice. Your guys, Cody and Derek, back for another episode, guys. Guys, we are getting closer and closer every single day to training camp, to the preseason, to the regular season. So with that, we wanted to kind of look at the Indianapolis Colts rookies and kind of basically pretty straightforward episode, Derek. We're going to look at each rookie um, that we think will play. Now, obviously, you know, Daniel Scott, not going to play, got injured. But every rookie that will have an opportunity to play, we're going to look and ask the question, all right, what is their playing time going to look like for 2023? Um, And so pretty easily how we're going to do it is we're going to rank it on a scale from 1 to 10, 1 being obviously a practice squad player, not really going to see the field, and 10 being going to see virtually every snap. And so we may kind of do, you know, some in-between, you know, point whatever, you know, like a 3.5 or whatever it is. Um, But the whole idea is which rookies do we feel like are going to get a lot of playing time, which rookies do we think maybe will be more project players or key backup players, and which players are just practice squad players. And so it's going to be a fun conversation. Looking forward to doing it. So without further ado, let's jump right into it, Derek, with the first pick the Colts had in this draft. Pick number four, Anthony Richardson out of Florida. This is a tricky one, Derek, just because we don't know the nature of of how this is going to shake out right now, you know, with Gardner Minshew coming in, his familiarity with Shane Steichen. It it makes it a little bit more of a a trickier one from some of the top picks here that the Colts had. With that being said, Jim Mercy did come out a couple days ago and express, you know, his opinion on the only way that Richardson's going to, you know, improve is just playing time, right? And we've said that before. That's been an argument for the pro Richardson playing week one camp. But when it comes to playing time, Derek, what's kind of your sense right now with Anthony Richardson? And what would you give it out of 10 for him in playing time in 2023? Yeah, we've been saying it was funny hearing Jim Ursay say that the other day because a lot of Colts fans didn't really care to hear Jim Ursay's opinion. A lot of Colts fans generally at this point in time don't really like how Ursay has been handling things the last few years. Uh, They feel he's been too hands-on with how things have been going, especially what we saw last year, right? Frank Wright coming back, 
then the firing in the middle of the season, bringing in, you know, his buddy in Jeff Saturday, you know, that's the, that's the mood that has been going around Colts nation really. And, you know, and regardless, I mean, obviously Jim Ursay is, is the owner, but you know, he's not the guy that's in the building every single day watching endless hours and hours of film and writing down plays for how these guys do their thing. So of course, Jim Ursay is allowed to have his opinion, but it doesn't end up being the ultimate stickum on what needs to be done throughout this uh, organization. But I am going to agree with Jim Ursay. I mean, it is the truth. I mean, the only way Anthony Richardson gets better is by him playing football. That's the only way he can do it because not to mention he's 21 years old, right? So he's very young compared to the majority of other players who are coming into the league. Very few guys are 21 years old uh, and going in like that. And not to mention the play experience. I mean, remember we said his worst aspect is the fact that he's only played 13 games in college. That's just not something you can do. And you know, the aspect of wanting him to sit behind someone and learn only really applies to guys who have had a lot more experience in college and then are sitting behind a great quarterback to teach them, right? We talk about Aaron Rodgers behind Brett Favre. Aaron Rodgers played for three, four, three seasons at Cal before going to the NFL. Patrick Mahomes played for three seasons at Texas Tech and sat behind Alex Smith for a whole year and learning behind that offense and the great mind and what we saw in Andy Reid. So it's just not the same situation for the Colts right now. You have a new new head coach who needs to find uh, his way. You have a, a, a average quarterback as your backup right now. And you just need you just need to roll with your punches and allow your young franchise quarterback to go out there and gain that experience and the more games that this kid plays the better he's going to understand the game of football what his aspect what his truly best aspects are and what he needs to build on so i mean is that does that mean he's going to start right away I'm not 100% certain, Cody, and I think there could be times where Anthony Richardson might have to come off. There might be times where Shane Steichen tells him, "Okay, we're going to we're going to roll this back for a little bit because we're trying to we we think that there's something here that Gardner might do better for us in this moment and we think that there's something about you that could be suited better for another opportunity later on." So, I'm going to say out of all of between a 1 and a 10, Uh, I'm definitely going to say a nine. Uh, I think that, you know, very close to a 10 of being the guy that's going to see all the snaps. Like I said, there could be the option of him not being the week one starter or maybe like towards the end of the season, maybe something doesn't truly go well for him, but I see it as a nine for me right now. Jim Mercy said, I mean, there's no question Gardner Minshew could come in and obviously play better early on just him being a veteran, but we have to get Anthony on the field. And that's Shane Steichen's call when he decides to do it. So I think that echoes what you said. Like, Ursay has his opinion. He should. I mean, he's the owner, right? He has that right to have that opinion and to voice it. But at the same time, he's not doing what, you know, people fear he was going to potentially do with it. You know, like, he's not going to say, all right, Shane, 
you're playing Anthony week one. He's going to make Shane, let Shane make that call. Right. And I think that's the right choice is like, cause you're right. Like, you know, Jim Irsay is not watching and working with Anthony Richardson 24 seven and these quarterbacks, you know, like Shane Steichen will be and has been, um, you know, so he's going to trust the guys that he's put in place to make that happen. And so, um, I'm probably just going to go at eight because of those reasons you said. I mean, we'll see. I mean, obviously, you know, we would like to see Anthony, but like, I don't think it's like a thing where the Colts absolutely feel like they have to start Anthony Richardson from week one, right? Because you're right. He still is. He's an early 21. He just turned 21. So, I mean, if he has to sit back for a little bit and and see, I think the Colts are okay with that. But if he proves that he's ready to go, I think the Colts are okay with that too, right? I mean, like we, like, and I know this isn't an apples to apples comparison. It may be a bad comparison. I don't know. But like, look at like Nick Cross last year, right? The Colts had him start right away and then they deemed he wasn't ready. Right. And so they they pulled it back from him. Don't think that's going to happen with Richardson, where all of a sudden he's not playing at all. You know, I, you know, when you that's a third round pick versus a you know fourth overall pick, it's definitely a big difference. But, you know, maybe the Colts do that. You know, they go that route. They feel like he's ready. And I feel like a guy like Richardson would be more ready than maybe Nick Cross was last year. You know, the game wouldn't be as big uh, as it was for Cross last year. So, like, if the Colts, you know, feel like they need to do that. But ultimately, it will depend, yeah, on Steichen's decision. Um, and it will depend on who he feels like gives them. Because, I mean, like, Steichen understands, like, you know, this isn't just a one-year thing. But also, he he's a competitive guy. He wants to win. So, I would say nothing's out of the realm of possibility. I mean, I think the Colts would obviously like for Richardson to be the guy from week one. And I would have to worry about it. But I don't feel like they think there's, like, they feel this pressure right away to get Richardson on the field, right? Because of the inexperience. Because of the things he's going to have to learn. Um, but I do think eventually he will get on the field and will be the primary guy. It's just a matter of when, not if, you know. So we'll see on that. So I'll probably go an eight just because of that. I just don't know right now. It's just he's so unique, Derek. It's just such a unique type of quarterback and a unique type of situation, like you said, that we just haven't seen before because of the lack of experience at the end, at really the football level at all. Um, so I'll go an eight for Anthony Richardson, but let's continue on. Let's move on to pick uh, 44, sec for Colts, first, second round pick. They traded down and they selected cornerback out of Kansas State, Julius Juju Brents. Now, Derek, I'm just going to go right away and say 10. I, I don't see a scenario where this isn't a 10, to be completely honest with you, because of the nature of the cornerback position right now, the state of this room with the Colts. I mean, who else is going to be out there, right? That's my thoughts. What are your thoughts here on Brents? I can't even I can't even argue with that. I mean, it's literally that because the Colts don't have any other options. I mean, unless I might even I might just go nine and a half just for the sake of maybe there's the possibility that somehow, you know, Brent's become so bad that, you know, somehow, some way a guy like Dallas Flowers might potentially be better. But I mean, that is that's a long stretch. I mean you're 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 willing to roll with uh Juju Brents for better or worse because of the athleticism and the potential that he shows you. That's why they drafted him. Uh he wasn't the most uh sound uh cornerback of the entire class even in that position that they could have grabbed. But at the end of the day they went with him because he best fits their system. He best uh, has the athleticism that they want from him and what they think they can get out of him. So that's ultimately what I think is going to end up happening. So I can't even argue with the 10 because 
you're right. You lost Stephon Gilmore. You lo- you're losing Isaiah Rogers, uh, which I know the Colts did not have uh, in their uh, trading card uh, this offseason. I mean, that answer might have possibly been, you know, maybe a, a maybe a nine at that point if if we knew Isaiah Rogers was going to be in there, but now we know it's not. So yeah, Brent's probably going to be on the field every yep, snap. Absolutely, and and just like with any rookie, how are they going to grow? Um, especially you know, Brent's is still you know a young guy, and how's he going to grow? It's just by experience, right? So I think if he gets experience for better or for worse, it's going to be good for him. So Brent's no doubt a ten for me. Uh, here's an interesting one, and this position is a little bit more of a – it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out because I feel like there's a lot more depth here and a lot and some proven guys ahead of Josh Downs, who the Colts selected in round three, pick number 79. What do you have for this one, Derek? This one's a little bit more interesting to me. Uh, it'll be very interesting with this one because, I mean, you're looking at uh, Josh Downs here. I mean – The wide receiver group is different. We know that the Colts have brought in a bunch more guys. And we also saw um, Downs had had that injury uh, earlier in OTAs. So I'm wondering how that one's going to impact him uh, so far. But I would say if he's fully healthy when the season comes around, I mean, I, I think Downs is going to end up being, you know, that uh, that eight. Uh, I'd probably say an eight. You know, I know that there. I know there will be times where Josh Downs is going to come off the field because of you know McKenzie's such a unique weapon. I know that Steichen will use utilize him in a couple different ways, and of course, you know when you know because of the size of Josh Downs, you're not going to have him in there in one or two wide receiver packages. You're not going to see that ever because you know that that man ain't blocking a major corner out there because he's too small for that. Uh, utilize his the aspects of him in down the field. So that's what they need to do. But I would say an eight for sure. Uh, this guy's definitely going to be a starter uh, day one. I mean, the connection that him and... Anthony Richardson have accumulated is already there. No question about it. And we know what this Colts coaching staff uh, views about him. Uh, so I'm, I'm very excited to see what he can do. So I'm definitely thinking, you know, he'll be on the field for the majority of the time. Okay. I'm going to go seven just because, you know, Isaiah McKenzie, does he factor in? Does he play more snaps? You know, do they, does it maybe cut into his playing time a little bit? And then you also do have, you know, guys like Rashad Perriman, Ashton Doolin, right? So, like, how are the receivers, you know, how are the playing time and the snaps going to kind of divvy up? That, that's my question. So, I'm going to put him just at a seven just because I don't quite know yet. I do think he will have an impact, but how much of an impact will he have and how much playing time will he have with all these different receivers and the way the Colts like to use them? I don't know quite yet, but I do think he'll have an impact, no doubt. And you talked about the chemistry with Richardson. I think that's something that definitely is a big deal. And so for those reasons, I would definitely still have him as a pretty high impact. But uh, just a little bit lower than some of the other two guys, just because there's a little bit more competition in there, um, you know, especially when it comes to the cornerback room versus the wide receiver room. So probably a seven for me for Josh Downs. Now, here's another guy, round four, pick 106, Blake Freeland, a guy that's not probably going to project as a starter this year. It's probably going to be your swing tackle. 
And Derek, for me, I probably have him at about a five just because swing tackle is important to have in this league. And you're, you're only one injury away from Freeland playing a huge role on your team. And, you know, I think you'll just use him in certain packages and stuff like that. And he's you know, kind of filled in. I think he'll fill in at both tackles when needed. And so I see him as a you know a high upside guy with a lot of potential, but not as necessarily a starter from day one, but still a key piece on that offensive line. What say you here? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, very interesting with Blake Freeland. I'm going to say that, yeah, I would say Blake Freeland is going to end up, you know, he'll end up being probably a a three or four to me. It's hard for me to imagine. I don't believe he's beating out Bernard Ryman. I don't believe he's beating out uh, Braden Smith. And I highly doubt that the Colts are moving anyone from that right guard position to either move someone there or move Blake Freeland there. I have a hard time believing that. So you're just going to have to stick with Blake Freeland being the swing tackle. And, you know, does, and does someone get hurt? That's the only way I see it really happening right now. And we saw Bernard Ryman. He got, you know, 10 to 15 pounds uh, heavier uh, this off season, which we said was a huge thing for him. And of course, you know, if Braden Smith is back to his usual self, then the Colts are fine at tackles. So I just don't see a way that Blake Freeland gets on the field unless there is either it's time where the Colts just can't get back in the game anymore or somebody gets hurt. Right. Well, I think the good thing is with Freeland is he can play both tackles positions. He had experience at both at at his time uh, at BYU. So I think he has an opportunity uh, either way to fill in, you know, if somebody gets banged up or needs a little bit of a breather, he can step in there. So I think he's kind of the next guy off the bench, if you will, which is why I kind of have him as a, as a five. I, I, could, I could be four or five around there. He's not going to start, but I think he does have a big role. And I think a swing tackle is so important in today's league. I mean, we saw it, Derek. We've seen it for better or for worse when it comes to Indianapolis. You know, when the unthinkable or the unpredictable happens, when you're down a tackle and you need some guy to step in there, that is so critical to have. And so, and it's not, it's so different because it's not like a defensive lineman where, you know, you rotate guys in, right? So he's not going to get as many snaps maybe necessarily, but if he gets called upon, it's for a big role, right? Right away. So we'll see on that when it comes to Blake Freeland. Um, let's move on now to another guy uh, the Colts had here 
another fourth round pick, Aditamiwa Adebowari. This was an interesting one. A guy at Northwestern here. You know, we talk about a little bit undersized, but definitely a freak athlete as well. I've honestly kind of forgot about him, Derek, and all the shuffle, thinking about the defensive line. But he's a guy that a lot of people were really in love with, love with, you know, in the pre-draft process. When Indianapolis was able to get him, people were saying this guy could be one of the steals of the draft. Talk to me about him and maybe his potential impact in this defensive line rotation and what his kind of role could look like. Yeah, it was funny because I was doing the video on the defensive lineman and I almost, like you said, I almost completely forgot that Adetami Wall was actually on this roster, which was hilarious. Um, I think that we as Colts fans have just been so focused on what's happening in the secondary right now that we just haven't really been focusing on the defensive line standard. But nevertheless, uh, Adetami Wall has a very unique skill set, which I definitely think is going to allow him to see the field in a, a multitude of different ways. Clearly not a guy that is going to start right away. Most likely will be, you know, filling in for, you know, maybe a guy like uh, Grover Stewart after, you know, on third downs potentially. And then, you know, maybe he, and it, I was talking about this with JDW as well. Like, you know, the, his skill set allows him to be an edge rusher too. He's not, just a defensive tackle. I mean, it's, he plays that position primarily, but he's fast enough that he can play off the edge too, which is a, a unique thing for a guy that size. So, I mean, it it's all going to come down to how the Colts want to use him. And that's going to be the big thing. What injuries occur, you know, what, what kind of guys are not performing and is he performing? I'm going to sit here and probably say, you know, he's more like a, he's probably like a, uh, a five or a six, probably go five and a half. You know, he'll probably get average time. He'll be that depth piece there for a while. It probably will just take somebody getting a little bit banged up for him to get some more snaps. And which that point, I think I could see a six, six and a half, but I'm going to say probably five and a half to start out for out of Tommy as he's, you know, getting used to the speed of the NFL. Okay, I'd probably go four or five here for Tommy just because of the defensive line rotation. There's a lot of guys in there, so I'd be interested to see what his role is. I mean, you still have, obviously, Dio Dangbo who can play a little bit of both. He can play inside, he can play out. He can do a lot for you, too. So, like, does that potentially cut into his playing time? It'll be intriguing because there's a lot of physical freaks in that defensive line. A couple of those two guys, uh, Dangbo and, and uh, Tommy Waugh, I mean, they are both just like freaks when it in different ways, right? Obviously, Dio's a little bit more the physical freak, and Tommy's more that athletic freak and kind of that sort of stuff, a little bit undersized. But like they both just offer unique skill sets, and it'll just be interesting to see how this shakes out. I don't really know how it will right now, but I think he definitely has a role in this defensive line as a rotational player early on, and we'll see if it turns into more as he progresses and kind of gets accumulated to the NFL. So uh, Tommy, for me, right around that four or five range there. So still I think will be an important piece, but maybe not right away. All right, let's move on now to round number five. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts drafted their second of three cornerbacks here. They drafted Darius Rush out of South Carolina. And now Derek, originally, just like with Brent, I probably would have had it a little bit lower, but due to just the 
pretty much like covered being bare at the cornerback position. I really do think Darius Rush is going to have a big role. I'm going to say at eight for Darius Rush, Derek. It'll be interesting. I think him and Dallas Flowers will have to battle it out for that number two outside corner position, which will definitely be a battle to watch in training camp. But I think Darius Rush is a guy that, even though he was taken in round number five, which, you know, people look at that, they're like, well, you know what in the world? Like, why would he maybe be like a, potential like steal here, but a lot of people thought that he should have gone a lot earlier than he did. You know, he's a really good player and I think he has an opportunity from day one to be that number two corner. It's just it's wild to me to think like this cornerback room could literally be two rookies starting on the outside. That's just that's unheard of, man. But that could be the reality of the situation when it comes to the cornerback room. What are your thoughts on Rush and where do you kind of rank him in terms of playing time maybe here in twenty twenty three? Yeah, I think that you're just going to look at it from the perspective of, you know, this cornerback group. Again, I think that at the end of the day, it's going to end up being Darius Rush and, you know, you're going to have him and uh, Juju Brents being the outside guys. And there's just not a lot of depth behind them to really steal those spots. So again, think I, I agree with you again. I think it's going to be eight, eight and a half for, Darius Rush because, you know, that that's just the role that they're going to have to fill because the Colts really don't have any other options. And Darius Rush, you know, we a fifth-round pick when, you know, everyone was talking about how this guy could have easily been a third-round draft pick if it if the right team came along. And, you know, that that's amazing that you're getting a guy in the fifth round who, you know, for a lot of teams could start right away. Uh, if they wanted him to. So, I mean, this is a great pickup for the Colts, and I think that they absolutely will have him on the field the majority of the time. It's just, like, wild to me that th- we could be in a world here, Derek, where you have two rookies starting at corner. You have, you know, two second-year players, one starting, at, you know, at free safety, one being that third safety, and then a guy that's just now entering, you know, year number three. I think it is year, or year number four, whatever it is, entering a contract, his first contract year. Like you have all these guys this year potentially playing on rookie deals. That's just crazy to me how young your secondary is right now. It's just like unheard of, right? When it comes to that, like there's really no veterans outside of really Kenny Moore, who we don't even know his future with Indianapolis. Like it's so young. There's so much youth right now in this Indianapolis secondary. It's just wild to me. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Uh, let's move on now to the next pick. I mentioned Daniel Scott already. You know, we're not obviously going to count him because of the injury. So let's move on to the next pick here. Will Mallory, tight end out of Miami, Florida. What do you give this one, Derek? This is more of the – which is where you kind of get into the – these guys could have roles or they could maybe not even make the roster. Well, where do you stand on Will Mallory? I'm probably giving – I mean, I might get a lot of flack for this one, but I'm probably going to go three. Okay. Three and a half. I'll even go three and a half. I mean, just if he makes the final 53, man, no shot he makes it to uh, pass the third tight end spot. I mean, he's at best the third tight end on this roster. At best. And that's saying a lot, given the fact that, you know, Kylan Granson is still on this roster. And Kylan Granson, uh, by all accounts, is 
still a guy that's much more NFL polished than Will Mallory is right now. If Will Mallory goes into training camp and, you know, starts lighting it up with Anthony Richardson and Gardner Minshew and, you know, Kylan Granson continues to struggle in training camp and Will Mallory is just feasting on people, then, yeah, I'm willing to admit, you know, the third tight end spot, which, you know, I mean, that could lead to a little bit of play time. But right off the bat for me, I can't see Will Mallory I can see Will Mallory making the roster, but if he does, it's not going to lead him to a vast majority of playing time right off the bat just because. See, you thought you were going low. I was going to go too just because (laughs) the the competition he's going to have, man. He's going to have some competition for that third tight end spot. You know, Mo Ali Cox is going to be a guy. He's still on this roster, right? He's played some snaps. He's been in this system. Um, you know, you, you talk about uh, Drew Ogletree, who, you know, was from all accounts, was tearing it up last year in training camp. You signed Pharaoh Brown as well. So, like, Will Mallory's not just going to get handed this number three tight end position. He's going to have to work for it, man. And there's a lot of talent here and a lot of guys that I could see a lot of different scenarios for who that number three tight end is. Now, if the Colts select four, obviously it gives him a, a better chance of potentially being on the roster. But it's hard for me right now, man, to because it's not like he was just lighting it up at Miami. You know, it's not like he was just this guy that was just dominating guys. You know, he was he was fine. He was he was solid, but like. You know, there's a lot of different guys here, and it's just it's tough for me, especially because he missed, you know, some of the spring training as well, and that stuff's so critical, especially for rookies, right? He's going to have an uphill battle to make this final 53-man roster, I guess is my thought, and you know, maybe he's more of a practice squad guy, but, you know, Ogletree has an advantage on him. You know, obviously Mo does. You know, all these guys do because they've played at least in some capacity at the NFL level, and Mallory hasn't. And, you know, I think so I think it's just an uphill battle for him to make it. That's just my opinion. You can disagree with that, people, but I just don't necessarily see it where, you know, yes, he has some traits, and that's why you took him where you did, but it's going to be tough for Will Mallory to make this final 53-man roster. So for right now, I kind of have him not making it, which is why I have it so low. But, hey, Will, you'll go out and surprise me. I would That would make me – the happiest man if you do that. You know, I'd be totally good if you did that. So go out and prove me wrong. But right now, I just I have a hard time. I guess it's just giving Will Mallory that third tight end position. So for that reason, I have it there. Um, let's move on now to pick 176. Darren. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Eric Evan Hall, running back from Northwestern. You know, more of that receiving threat guy. 
it begs the question, you know, what is his role? Because he, he's different than all these other backs really on the roster. I mean, I guess the closest comparison would be Deion Jackson, but Evan Hall is, from all accounts, probably the best receiving back out of this draft. Does he have a role in this offense? And if so, what does that look like? I don't know. I mean, I look at it and I say the Colts already had three running backs in Jonathan Taylor, Zach Moss, and Deion Jackson, who, you know, and Deion Jackson showed you last year, by all accounts, he may not be an Austin Eckler, but he definitely is a guy that, you know, if you gave the ball to him a few times out of the backfield by passing it to him, I mean, he had a couple of pretty decent receptions. And, I mean, we know Jonathan Taylor can do that. Deion Jackson showed you you can do that. So, I mean, Evan Hall is not going to, as much as I love his attitude and how he's going to attack it, I, I, that's the only way I see him even making the roster is if, if, is if he somehow beats out Deion Jackson and shows Steichen and the crew that he has something to offer that Deion Jackson doesn't. And it's kind of hard for me to sit back and say that that's, that that's even possible because last year we saw a lot of Deion Jackson. And Deion Jackson had multiple games where he ran for over 100 yards with that crappy offensive line that we had last year. And there were multiple times where Deion Jackson was able to actually catch the ball out of the backfield and make some good receptions. So he he's done a little bit of everything. So it's kind of hard for me to sit back and say, does Evan Hall, you know, run for four yards to carry behind this offensive line that Deion Jackson couldn't? Uh, does Evan Hall, you know, is he that much more elite at receiving the ball out of the backfield than Deion Jackson? I don't see it. So, I mean, I'm sitting here and I'm saying, that's a two for me. That's the two for me. I, I I love Evan Hall, but I'm just not sure if there's even a spot on this roster for him. Uh, you're crazy. You're absolutely crazy. I don't know what how you say that with Deion Jackson. I mean, the dude, the, at most, he had six, seven receptions was his most. I mean, Evan Hall was killing dudes last year. I mean, he was that whole Northwestern offense last year. Like, that's his game, man. And Deion Jackson, for as solid as he is, I think Evan Hall provides an upside that you haven't had for you didn't have last year. I just think he does. And you know, I think he's. A, I think maybe part of the reason why he fell down is number one, receiving backs. You know, they typically don't go super high uh, unless they can provide you know more of that double thing like you've seen with guys like Kamara and McCaffrey and those guys. But I think Evan Evan Hall is just. It's unfortunate because just Northwestern is just was just terrible last year on offense, but he was their entire offense. And so I think putting him in a system where he can utilize his talents, I think he has a chance. I think he has a shot. I don't think it's as big of a long shot as maybe you think it is, uh, just because I saw what he did. You know, the games he had over, I think a game where he had over 200 yards receiving last year, like I'm not going to just scoff at that. So. For me, I think Evan Hall has a great chance to spell Deion Jackson. As much as I like Deion Jackson, I mean he's never he's never been that volume guy when it comes to you know receiving, and and Evan Hall is that guy. So that's my argument. It's it's kind of hard because like because Steichen views these might view these guys differently 
than how Chris Ballard and Frank Reich once did when they brought them over, right? So it's kind of hard to, I mean, we're used to seeing all these guys' skill sets and what they want to do in the offense that we were used to watching them, them run. Now with Shane Steichen running a whole new offense, you know, Evan Hall reminds me a lot of, I think it was Boston Scott for the Eagles. Uh, that's the guy that kind of reminds me a lot of, you know, a guy that could take a few handoffs every game if you wanted him to. A guy that, you know, with Shane Steichen's offense, he started getting uh, more passes down the field, uh, which was actually pretty insane for a running back. So, you know, I mean, if that's the role that Evan Hall is capable of doing, then I definitely think he could have that role over Deion Jackson. But it's still kind of hard for me to wonder what he's going to do right now. Well, I was just like looking at, at Deion Jackson's stats and, you know, he 230 yards rushing. I know that wasn't really his big thing, but 30 catches all of last year. And I don't know, just for me, it's like, you know, Evan Hall had what, 55 catches last year or whatever. And I'm just excited because I think like going back to it, like we saw Steichen use guys with specialized roles last year, right? You know, you had more of your traditional guy um, last year. Um, You know, you had more of your receiving guy. And I think you bring Evan Hall in because that's his specialty and you utilize his specialty. And that's the way that I just wish the Colts would have done under Frank Reich a little bit more was like, you have these guys with these unique specialties, like stop trying to, I guess I would use it like stop trying to fit a square peg into a round hole and like use these guys for what their skill set is. Yeah, like that kind of stuff. You're just like, no, like you have Jonathan Taylor on the sideline, use him. Right. And you're going to have, you know, Zach Moss, who's that big, a little bit of a bigger back. Right. Who who can be more of that power guy. Use him a little bit more. And then you have Evan Hall, who is more of that just pure pass catching guy. Right. I mean, Taylor and Moss aren't those guys, really. Deion Jackson's the closest thing. But like, I think Evan Hall just takes that up a notch. I really do think he does. And so, you know, obviously we'll see. I, I, I could be completely wrong on this. I just have this feeling that like. Evan Hall, because of number one, just kind of the nature of what his position is, and number two, because of the team he was on last year, I think that really impacted his draft stock. I think if he was on a team that was more successful, he might have gotten taken a little bit earlier than he did. So for that reason, I'm probably going to go four or five for Evan Hall because I do see a, I do see a scenario, and again, it'll depend uh, who does take that. I think either Deion Jackson or him. Whoever does, I give them probably a four or five just because I think they're going to be used in special packages and for special you know, purposes like we wish Naheem Hines was at times and kind of how you know Boston Scott was last year for Philadelphia with Shane Steichen. So that's kind of my thought on it overall. Um, I would say that. And I think a lot of people really like, including myself, obviously, like Evan Hall and what he could provide for this offense. Just kind of a new wrinkle, if you will, for what Shane Steichen and company can do out of the backfield. All right. That was a long-winded one for a six-round pick. Um, anyway, let's move on to a couple other guys. And Derek, I mean, really a lot of these guys are more project, I think we could say, uh, unless you want to talk about Jalen Jones, which I know is probably a little bit more of an interesting one. But when you look at Titus Leo, you look at Jake Witt, I mean, both these guys are just probably you know more project you know, practice squad guys, so probably one or two, unless you disagree with that. But, but what are your thoughts on Jalen Jones? Because – you know, just due to the position and also he was 
he had some stats that were interesting, not as athletic as the other two corners, but still I thought was a solid corner last year at A&M. What are your thoughts on Jalen Jones and maybe his potential role? I don't even remember who was the – you're going to have to remind me of who was the uh, scout that raved about Jalen Jones. Uh, I know the the one guy that raved about him, and there was a guy that stuck his neck out for Jalen Jones saying that this is a guy that 100% could be the next big thing for Indianapolis going forward because he's got all the intangibles to be able to be a good corner in this league. I think just the only thing with Jalen is I just think that, you know, he just was more of the, it was just more of a a shadow in the Texas A&M defense, right? And you don't really think a ton when it comes to Texas A&M defensive uh, cornerbacks, right? Like we don't know a ton of them that have really done anything. So maybe that's the stigma. And there's a couple other things I know, but I definitely think Jalen Jones is going to end up, you know, getting on this roster, how much play time he gets. I'm not sure. I'd probably give it like a five. I probably won't go. I won't give him a, under a five because I put Freeland at a four. And if Freeland was at a four, simply due to the fact that I didn't think he was actually going to play, even though he's going to be on the roster, he wouldn't play unless someone got hurt. And I think that would, unlike this situation with Jones, Jones can actually play, take a few snaps from Brent's, a few snaps from uh, Darius Rush from time to time because he's going to be on the roster. And, you know, and what, and for training camp as well, Brent's is not going to be ready to go right off the bat. From what we heard, is, you know, he's, he may miss the first week, maybe first week and a half because he'd still be recovering from his uh, wrist surgery that he had in the offseason. So that definitely could be a thing where Jalen Jones is going to see those minutes. He's going to see the competition. He's going to get, you know, those reps. So maybe that's a good thing for him. And maybe the uh, the Colts really like what they see in him. Uh, and maybe he does a lot of great things. So I'd probably say, yeah, five, five and a half for me on Jalen Jones. Uh, because I do see him taking a few reps here and there. It's crazy to me. I was just kind of looking a little bit more into Jalen Jones. He's only 21 years old, so he's still a very young player. But, Derek, he has a ton of experience at corner. I mean, he played as a true freshman in 2020, and he, you know, he's logged over 2,000 defensive snaps playing in the SEC, which is definitely nothing, you know, to – to scoff at, right? I mean, he he has a lot of experience. He's had more experience than the other two corners in college and the fact that he's still younger than both those guys. Um, so he kind of got thrown in there. And and that that's intriguing to me because he held his own, right? Like he definitely did, you know, especially I feel like last year, you know, he played in 278 coverage snaps. He was targeted just 19 times the whole year with that. And, and out of those, he allowed, you know, only 10 receptions for 94 yards. Right, that was uh, the stat I was looking at. Yeah, so he had uh, 25.7 coverage snaps per reception, which is actually the third highest of any corner in this class. So Jalen Jones definitely has some stuff. He definitely has some experience on his side, despite being so young. And so there is some upside. I know there were some scouts that were saying he's more worth like a day two look, and the Colts nabbed him in the seventh round. So 
I say, hey, man, it's worth a shot. And, you know, if he just continues to rely on his experience and continues to develop as a corner, I think he has a chance here, man. I really do think he does. Um, I think he will be another guy that will be battling, you know, out there with guys like Dallas Flowers and some of those guys, you know, for the back end of the roster. And we'll see kind of how that plays out. But I would say don't sleep on a guy like Jalen Jones because I think he has a chance. I'm going to change my answer and I'm going to give him a solid six because uh, I'm going to change it to a solid six because Ballard has always done this, right? Those late corners at the end of traps always finds the one guy, right? That always finds a way to sneak his way into this roster and just perform like a superstar, right? Like we, we saw it with Isaiah Rogers before he got cut from the team. Uh, and obviously Rodney Thomas this year, we see him last year, just four interceptions leads the team and, and takeaways by interception. So, I mean, we've seen this year in and year out where he gets these guys late in the rounds and they perform beyond expectation. Uh, so there's not, there's no expectation of Jalen Jones, which is the good thing for him because everything is about Julius Brents and Darius Rush. Those are the two names. So Jones's name is not getting brought up in any of these big name conversations. So it, that can either be a detriment to Jalen Jones because his name just gets lost in the, in the background, or it can be a great thing for him when he starts playing really good. And no one remembers who this kid is because everyone was talking about the other two guys. And then Jalen Jones just comes out here in the, of the woodwork and then becomes this next great corner for the Indianapolis Colts. And nobody saw it coming. And that is one thing. If there's one position Ballard knows how to draft, it's DBs. Like, there's no question. Like, he knows how to draft DBs. And so that's why I'm like, I'm fine every single year if Ballard wants to take a flyer on a guy in the seventh round or the sixth round. More than likely, they're going to become some sort of player for the Colts. It's just been, it's just crazy how that, like, seems like it works every time where Indianapolis is able to just get a guy. You know, it's been like, you know, it seems like every couple of years they get a guy back there they're like, this dude is a sixth, seventh round pick. How in the world does this happen? It's, it's kind of funny because it feels like his, you know, sixth and seventh round picks at corner and, and safety have worked out better than his early round picks. Yeah, exactly. It's weird. It <laughs> it's makes no so sense. It's so weird, bro. It's so weird how that works. I don't I don't know if it's just because the just the, the expectation. I don't know if it's because, you know, the scouting. You have to do a lot more scouting on guys like that. Maybe that's what it is, I, or maybe he's just flat out lucky. I have no idea, but I mean, if if the luck is running through here, I want him to just keep doing what he's doing. So, because hey, listen, at some point, one of them can move to slot. I mean, it's. I mean, I don't know who which one of them would. I mean, Brents isn't going to because Brents is is too long. And I think if hey, I don't know how Jalen Jones is. Maybe he would be a slot corner later in the future. I have no idea. I just know that I doubt Rush and Brents would because Rush and Brents are you know those guys that are like six foot one, six foot two. So they're they're bigger guys. They're longer. And they're more athletic, so you know they kind of guard the outsides. I don't know how Jalen Jones would do with that. You know, it's just one of those scenarios. Maybe that's maybe that's something they they try to work up later in the future. 
he'd be a big slot corner too. He's he's all six two as well. So. Yeah, I was gonna say They're I thought huge. he was six foot two. So like, I mean, <laughs> all these yeah. guys are six foot and above. It's like the Indianapolis Colts might soon have the the largest defensive back, and uh, they might have the largest defensive back, the largest wide receiver, and tight end rooms that the NFL has ever seen. <laughs> I mean, it's it's Seriously, incredible. Man. And the most athletic. I mean, and the tell most you what, athletic they, for sure. Yeah. They've got big and athletic guys. Now they just got to put it together and actually perform, and that would be great. So, guys, let us know what your thoughts are on these rookies, some of their playing time. Is there a player that maybe you think we're sleeping on that you're like, no, I'd probably put them higher? Or is there a player you think we're maybe too high on that you'd probably put down as well? Let us know all these things in the comments below. This is kind of a fun, you know, kind of pre-preview of training camp. You know, we're obviously going down to training camp again. We're super excited for that. And we got, I think, three days that we're going to be down there, one at the end of July and a couple in the beginning of August. So really looking forward to that. If you guys are down at training camp, we'd love for you to say, hey, I know last year when we walked in, I heard a couple people yelling, bring the juice. So (laughs) if you guys are down there, we'd love to meet you, get the opportunity to do so. You know, and if we see each other, we'd love to take a picture, say, hey, whatever. Um, But it's going to be good. And obviously we'll have, you know, a lot of training camp content probably coming up here in the next week or so. You know, training camp preview, all all the stuff. You know, it's just nice, Derek, that we are that much closer every single day to training camp, to the NFL season, because it's been a dry period and it's exciting to finally get back into it, man. Absolutely, man. Football's getting closer and closer. Let's just keep waiting it out, and I I can't wait. Absolutely. So thanks, guys, for tuning in. Really appreciate it. You guys are the best. If you like this video, be sure to hit the like button. Be sure to subscribe. All that good stuff. As football gets back into the swing of things, our content's going to be continuing. It continued through the summer, even though there's certain weeks. Uh, We got a little busy. We are back, and I think we're kind of finally getting back into the swing of things a little bit. So stay with us, guys. We really appreciate everybody and all your support. That'll do it for this one, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. And as always, guys, go Colts. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.